Happy New Year, everybody. You know, every year God gives us words that seem to come alive for that year. In 2018, our words were increase, deeper, and rest. And those words really did become reality. Just a couple of examples. For instance, Mike Beachy is going to share with you how our online viewership has exploded like crazy this year. And our overall average attendance has increased by an amazing 36%. While we are growing wider, God also has taken us deeper. We delved into several deep subjects from the pulpit and in youth. Midweek study participation was huge. People were hungry to go deeper. I believe this year God will continue to increase the good things in our life and will continue to take us deeper. It's not like those things go by the wayside. This year, I believe God's given us three new words, and I've never, ever, ever been more excited about the words He's given us for this year. We'll be giving some numbers and some testimonies this morning. For those who believe that God doesn't care about numbers, uh, you may want to think about this. God has a book in His Bible called, what's the word? Oh yeah, that's right, Numbers. Uh, we know exactly how many people were fed by the loaves and fishes because God gave that number. We also know how many people came to faith in Jesus on the day of Pentecost because God gave the number. Here's why God cares about numbers. Every number represents a person. Every person has a story. And every person and every story matters very much to God. And if they matter to God, they matter to us. Because of you, we were able to dramatically increase the broadcast quality of our worship experiences online, which are now being viewed by over 1,200 people every single Sunday, which is also putting us over halfway towards part of our 2020 vision, uh, which is to have 2,000 online viewers by the year 2020. Way to go, Crossroads. Because of you, 47 children received Jesus as their Savior during VBS week. My name is Brindley, and I believe in Jesus. In November, my mom got a job at a church called Crossroads, and I started going there with her. During my experience, I learned a lot about God and how to trust Him. When summer came, we got the opportunity to go to Camp Windshape. Camp Windshape is a summer camp that you get to have fun and learn about Jesus at the same time. After a lot of fundraising and thinking, I said yes. During Camp Windshape, we learned a lot of important things about how Jesus is our shepherd and we are his sheep. Camp Windshape was really fun and added a lot of great spirit into me. After Camp Windshape, we had our church VBS called Shipwrecked. We learned that we can choose to give up our lives to Jesus because he gave up his for us. If we do believe in Jesus when you die, you can go to heaven and live with him. So on that night, I gave my life to Jesus, which is a great thing. On Wednesday nights, I took this class called New Believers, which was led by Mrs. Kim and my mom, Shannon. They did an amazing job at teaching us. One night, we learned about baptism and what it is and how it's done. One night, we got to see the baptism take, and, and I thought it looked pretty cool. Me and my mom talked about if I wanted to get baptized. It took a few days of thinking, but it came down to me wanting to do it. The day of my baptism was a great day. I felt made new and different, but a good different. From now on, I am a Christian. Because of you, this year, eight Hispanic adults made the decision to be baptized, and five children were dedicated. Because of your giving and support, Crossroads Youth took 25 students with leaders and served on a mission trip this summer. We did housework on 40 homes of the elderly in our community. This was an impactful week for both the students and those we served as we made houses feel like homes again. Whether it was cleaning a house, yard work, building a deck, 
or prayer, we accomplished it all. We also took 42 students with leaders to the ramp. This is a youth conference held every summer with over 3,000 students in attendance. This is the biggest youth trip we have ever taken. We saw God heal students physically and spiritually, and our students came back confident in their identity and their purpose found in the Lord. 30 students were saved, baptized, and set free from bondage that weekend. For the very first time, that trip was made available for free. Thank you, Crossroads family. Because of you, people are made to feel welcome and safe when they are here with us. Because you gave, we had 300 people participating in church-wide grow groups. And we had an additional 158 people in our different interest groups. Because of you, we ministered to 28 Hispanic families this year. And because of you, each year we are able to reach several hundred more people from our community during our Harvest Festival in the fall. Because of you, our children's ministry has increased by 40% in attendance. Because of you, we financially supported 20 missionary families in 14 countries plus three Christian schools. Of those missionaries, seven of them came from Crossroads Church members who answered the call to the mission field, plus two more began ministries in our community that minister to at-risk teens. Hi, we're the Fletcher Five, serving the Lord here in Cuenca, Ecuador. I'm Joshua. I'm Allison. I'm Grace. I'm Abby. I'm Simeon. Because of your generous support, we have had a great first year of ministry here in Cuenca. Your support allows me to pour into future leaders, pastors, church planners, and missionaries at the seminary here in Quake. Because of your support, I have been able to come alongside our children as their teacher and come alongside other homeschooling missionary families in a local co-op I helped start this year. I have also been helping to oversee the seminary scholarship program that OMS has here in Ecuador, helping hundreds of students be able to attend the seminaries that OMS supports across the country. Because of your support and the car that many of you helped us to purchase, our whole family was able to come alongside other OMS missionaries and lead a church family retreat at Camp Cayetano. At the retreat, we were able to lead a program for, for, for over 100 participants, and my dad was able to perform a wedding ceremony for three couples who wanted to follow God's design for the family. We are really thankful for your car that many of you helped us purchase. Because of you, we will be able to travel and come alongside other missionaries this year. Because of your support, we are also able to come alongside Pastors Giovanni and Christine Saltos in their local church just outside of Cuenca. Our support and involvement has helped them greatly this year, and the church is growing. And there are many other things that your generosity and prayers have helped us to accomplish. Things like the weekly devotional and prayer guide that Allison and I produce for the OMS missionaries here in Ecuador, and the relationships that we are building each and every day. Relationships that open doors to gospel-centered conversations. Thank you so much for your love and encouragement. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, we were able to financially support the ministries of Crossroads to share the love of Jesus. Because of you, our VBS kids collected 2,457 canned goods for our Backpack Buddy ministry, and our volunteers sent home bags of food every weekend during the school year to 19 to 20 families. 
Because of you, we had 65 people come and participate in our Connect classes this year and get involved in the life of our church. I am happy to report that we have had over 200 personal encounters with members of our congregation this past year, which includes hospital visits, providing meals, prayer shawls, all those things that we can bring when you are in need. I also wanted to talk about a little bit about our Stevens Minister program, which we instituted this past year. We have already been seeing multiple care receivers during this whole time, and the program is going wonderfully. And finally, I want to talk to you about our prayer team. Our prayer team has been very active and supportive of all of the prayer requests that we receive here at Crossroads through our prayer wall, through the prayer cards, and just conversations with you. Because of you, we assembled over 10,000 meals for Rise Against Hunger. Because of you, we represented Christ as we fed the hungry, repaired homes, gave out supplies, encouraged, and prayed for people in need. 126 days. Happy New Year, everybody. And, and I just want to say that is just like the tip of the iceberg, truly, uh, of just the, the thousands of lives that have been touched uh, around, around our city, around our country, and around the world because of, uh, because of your generosity, because of your love, because of your prayers, because of your, uh, because of your service. And we welcome those who are watching online right now around the country and around the world. We love you, and we are really glad that you are part of the Crossroads family. And uh, I just want to read uh, a passage of Scripture that talks about just even why God gives to us. Uh, and then also the result of that and the result of what you've done this, this year. It says, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. God gives to us so not only to cover our needs, but also we can be generous to impact the world. But here's the result. Listen to this. As a result of your ministry, of your giving, of your prayers, of your service, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift too wonderful for words. And do you realize what that's saying? There are people in this church. There are people in this community. There are people in this world who are are thanking God for you and even praying for you because their life is different because you did something, because you gave, because you gave your time, because you gave your talents, because because you gave your resources. It is impacted around our country, around our region, and around our uh, our world. You know, next week we start a, a series that I cannot wait for. I truly believe, I don't know if I've ever been impacted as much by preparing for a, a series as I have for this one. It is called The Battle for the Mind. And we realize, if you, you think about it, most of the battles you and I will ever face is between our ears. And if we can be victorious in this area, we can be victorious in the, the rest of our life. We cannot have a positive life with having a negative mind. It's impacting my life like crazy. I, I really do not miss the next, uh, this, uh, this 
this series at all. We also start a week from this Wednesday. We'll be starting the, the midweek classes that go right along with that for the battle for the mind. Uh, also, uh, n- next Sunday, we will be having the Taste of Crossroads Luncheon, which is where we, uh, you get to know me a little bit better. I get to know you a little better. We get to see some of the, the vision of the church, so don't miss that as well. If you've been coming just, this is your first week, or you've been coming a while, and you want to see what the church is about, that's a great place to, uh, to get started there. And like I said in the, in the video, there are, you know, it seems like God gives us words every year that this is kind of a, a focus, or this is something that God's going to do in our life. And I truly believe I have never been more excited about these, the, the, these words. And the first word is, the first word is, is hope. You know, Burke Bacharach sang a song or wrote a song in the 1960s, and it, and it, it helped me out. If you, he goes, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little up. Thank you. I'll be here all week. Thank you. But, but anyway, you know, I mean, it's true. What this world, this world desperately, desperately needs love, right? But I'm telling you, there is something else that this world is absolutely hungry for, and that's hope. We live in a, in a world that is just absolutely desperate for hope. I said on, on Christmas Eve, I don't, you know, I've never met a person, and probably you've never met a person that says, man, I have just way too much hope in my life. I'm just sick to death to hope up to, up to here. And uh, the other way, we, are, we live with people. We are a person that is desperately in need of hope in every area, right? We need hope in our relationships. We need hope in our marriage. We need hope in our finances. We need hope for freedom from our past. We need hope for, for right now how to live. We need hope for our, for our future. We need hope for our careers, for our jobs. We need hope for our children. We need hope for our loved ones who are, who are going away from God or need God. We need hope for, for, for our health. We need hope. I could just go on and on and on. We are desperate for hope into different levels. Some of you right now, you know, I mean, everything's going pretty well, and there, but you still there's hope in areas of life. But... Uh, but, you know, in, in, in reality, there's a lot of people here who are listening to me that you're desperate for hope in an area of, uh, of life. And I really believe that this is a, a year that God is going to bring hope in a, in a great way. You know, you take a look at the Bible. It is chock full of hope. I mean, it blew me away. I was, I was just looking at the, just the, the messages of hope in the Word of God. From Genesis, from the very beginning where God brought life out of, out of nothing, to Revelation where God said there's going to be a new heaven and a new, and a new earth and there's not going to be any pain or suffering or sorrow or sickness or any of those things. It is just a message of hope. Jesus is hope, isn't he? I mean, he came at Christmas and it brought hope to a, to a, to a world, uh, to a lost world. He, uh, hope was on the cross is just a total message of hope that we can be forgiven. The, the, the resurrection, uh, Easter, is, is a message of hope that death doesn't have the final say from cover to cover. It's a message of, uh, of hope. And if you're someone here today that is in need of hope in any way, to a little degree or absolutely saying, I am desperately in need of hope, I, I could read dozens of scriptures. Here's one that I want us to, I want you to grab hold of this and say, this is for me today because it is. From Psalm 19, it says, there is surely a future hope for you. And your hope will not be cut off. There is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be be cut off. And the Bible makes it really clear that it is really, really important where our hope lies. 
I mean, because I, I don't know about you, but I've put, put my hope in things that, that let me down. In fact, anything but God, if you put your hope in, will let you, will let you down. I remember when I cried out to God for salvation, uh, I said, God, I, I yelled out to him and said, God, I'm so tired of putting my hope in people that can leave in situations that can change. And you think about it, if we put our hope in people, they're going to let us down. Even if they love us and care about us, they're going to let us down because they're human. I mean, everything, the economy is going to let us down. I mean, you know that you know that your 401k could turn into a 201k like that, right? You know that in every way, and, and all your Panther fans, you know your team can let you down, right? I mean, everything can let you down. Everything will let us down. In fact, the Bible says, says this. It says, this is what the Lord says, cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength to turn their hearts away from the Lord. Uh, they, are, uh, they are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in a barren wasteland in an uninhabitable salty land. Dang. But listen to this. For those who hope in the Lord, this is what it says. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach down deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. And did you hear what that's saying? That means saying whether we're going to be cursed this year or blessed this year is going to depend a lot on who we put our hope in, what we put our hope in. And if our hope is based on anything but the Lord, we're going to be doomed to disappointment. In fact, one of my favorite verses is, is those who hope in the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And I don't know about you, but, but I need my strength renewed all the time. How about you? spiritually, emotionally, physically, in every way. And God's saying, when we put our hope in him, it's, he's, those things are, are going to happen. And something also that's clear from Scripture is that, cho- that, that uh, hope is a choice. Listen to this uh, from Psalm 71. But as for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. We don't even know who wrote that particular psalm, but here's what we know. We know he chose hope. And this is the thing, all throughout this, this year, every day of our life probably, situations will come and we can either go and we can live in hope or we can live in despair. We can live in fear. We can live in, live in worry. We can live in doubt. We have a choice every single time. Hope is a choice. When a circumstance comes our way, when a difficulty comes our way, we're going to go to one of those two things and we can either choose hope or we can choose discouragement. Something else says, listen to this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you know, that thing tells me two, that scripture tells me two things. First, it says, God doesn't just give hope. He is hope. Isn't that beautiful? And the other thing is, is this, that God is going to, God wants to overflow us with hope. He doesn't want to just give you hope for you. He wants to overflow hope in your life so you can pour out into, into other lives. And you can pour hope into your, into your coworkers. You can pour hope into your family. You can pour hope into the people that you, that you associate with and just people who are hurting all the, all the time. And, and here's the thing. I believe that every, that every church is called to give hope. But I really, really believe that we have a special anointing at Crossroads. We have a special calling to be a hope center, a haven of hope. I mean, that's one thing that people come in and say all the time. They said, I found hope here. There is, this is a place of hope. And I want you to know as you come here, you know, you know you're going to hear a message of hope. 
And that doesn't mean you're not going to hear a message of conviction or, or challenge or anything like that, but the Bible is good news. The gospel is good news. And, the, and, and the, we serve a God of hope, so there's a lot of whole message on, on, on hope. And you're going to hear that here. You're going to hear that in the Bible studies. You're going to hear that in the, in the youth group. You're going to hear that in the children. Your children are going to hear messages of hope. But also, this is a, a bastion of hope. This is a place where we are a, a boot camp of hope, a launching pad, where we go out and we, are, and we bring hope to a sign, crying and dying world. And imagine if, you, if, you, if we woke up every day and every single one of us, the thousands of people who are hearing this message right now, and every day of your life you woke up and go, I'm going to be a missionary of hope to wherever I go. That today, somewhere, somehow, I'm going to offer somebody's hope. And we look. We're looking for people who are struggling with hope and needing hope at that time. And I have this, I have this picture of, you know, the St. Bernards that go looking for, for people when they're, you know, when they're lost in, a, you know, in, a, in an avalanche or something. These dogs are trained, and they have that little thing of brandy, you know, there and, and everything. I mean, can you imagine if we are looking every day? We have our antennas up for somebody at our work, somebody at our school, that they just need hope, and we just offer them that, uh, that hope. I think that's the picture of what God God wants to do in us and through us. He wants to give hope to you, and he wants to pour out hope through you. The other thing, the next word, so everybody say hope, all right? All right, the next word is passion. Most of us are familiar with one definition of passion, which would be ardent affection and a powerful feeling or emotion, okay? That's great, and that's super, and I think God loves that kind of, that, that word as well. But here's, I'm going to look at some other definitions. Here's one, enthusiasm, energetic and unflagging pursuit of an aim or a cause. You know, we love seeing people live with passion, don't we? I mean, don't you love to see an athlete who is, who is absolutely passionate about, uh, about the, the game and they're playing the game with passion? In fact, that's why we see every year, we see people, who, teams who have, who have far less talent and ability beating teams that have far more of that because this team is playing with passion and this one is. We love to see an athlete running with passion, skiing with passion, whatever it is that they love what they, what they do. We love seeing people sing with passion, playing instruments with passion. We love hearing people that, that talk with passion. That doesn't mean they have to, to scream or shout or yell like that, but man, we will go anywhere to hear somebody that believes, that absolutely loves and believes what they're talking about. You know the difference. When you walk into a, a business, you can tell who's there because of the, just for a, a, a paycheck and who's there because they love what they do. We love seeing people with, with passion. We love it in that way. You know, there's this uh, person by the name of Harry Winston. Harry Winston is probably the, the most famous jeweler in the history of our nation. He once owned most of the, the famous jewels that have ever been in our nation, such as the Hope Diamond. He owned that at one time. And there's there one time there was a, a Dutch merchant that came up to, that he watched a salesman try to, try to sell the person and, and gave an, an, a beautiful definition of that diamond and everything. And, and the, the, the Dutch merchant was about to walk out and he said, it's not exactly what I'm looking for. And Harry Winston came up to him and he said, sir, may I show you that diamond one more time? And he came and he said, and he, he pointed out the beauty of the diamond and the facets and, and how, and everything about that. And the, 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 the Dutch merchant ended up purchasing that diamond, and he said, "How in the world?" He said, "Why did I? I was it so easy for me to say uh, no to your your salesperson, but so easy to say yes to you?" And he said, "My salesperson is great. He's he said he knows diamonds as much as anybody on this earth, but he said, sir, I love diamonds." 
And see, that's the thing too, man. When we see people, when you start living with passion, because that's what the Bible calls us to do, it says whatever your hands find to do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men because you know you're going to receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. And isn't that great? Can you imagine if every day we woke up and we lived that day to the fullest? If we lived that day with passion, our life would be completely different. You'd have a totally different job. You and I would have a different job. We would have a different, we'd have a different marriage. We'd have a different family. We'd have a different church. We'd have a different everything. And not because we'd, we would change jobs or we'd change spouses or things like that, but there's something when we start loving with passion, when we start living with passion, it flows to everybody and it flows to everything around us that we start living and we start loving with, with passion. And can you imagine this too? The Bible says, another definition is, as a devotion towards a person or an activity. And Jesus says the most, two most important things we can do are passionately love God and passionately love people. He said this. He said, what's the greatest commandment? Somebody asked him, and Jesus said this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength and mind and to love your neighbor as, your, as yourself. Can you imagine if we truly did that, that we loved with passion this year, that we, when we worship God, we weren't just mouthing empty words, but we were, we were singing, man, we were passionately singing songs to our, to our God. That when we pray this year, that we're not just saying, now I lay me down to sleep, some just mindless prayers, that we are praying, passionately believing that our words, that our prayer is making a difference on earth and in heaven. That God is hearing those words and he is, he is doing something because the Bible says the, the, the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And God knows the difference between we're just saying something, we're going, God, hear my heart, hear my heart. I'm telling you, when we start praying with passion, it will change our life forever, and we will see some results from our prayers. And can you imagine if we truly loved people, if we, if we lived a life this year that we were going to passionately love our family, that we were going to passionately love our spouse, that we were going to passionately love our friends, that we were going to passionately love our brothers and sisters in Christ, that we're going to passionately love the people that we, that we work with. Again, what a difference that we would make. It would change our whole environment. Another thing it says is, it says, an affection that compels one to, to action. I love that one. Because it is difficult to believe someone's passionate about something if it doesn't compel them to action, does it? In fact, think about that. Just like go back to, if somebody said that they were a, a Panther fan, okay? And he said, you know, how often do you watch them? I, I don't watch them very often. Occasionally, I'll, I'll see that stuff. Well, they may be a fan, but they're not a very passionate fan, are they? There was somebody the other, the other day that I said something yesterday, I mean, last week to them, and they were wearing their Panther garb, and I said, it's been a kind of a tough year, hasn't it? But they said something that, is, that I thought was beautiful, and it grabbed my heart, and they said, you know what? We watched every single play of every single game when they were 1-15. and 15. We watched every single play of every single game when they, were, when they were Super Bowl, went to the Super Bowl, and we watched every single play of every single game this year. That's somebody who is more than just a fan. That's somebody who is a passionate fan, right? And there's this picture. Go ahead and show that. Yeah, there he is. That's called a fan right there, right? And can you imagine? Can I just say something? Can you imagine if we had that same devotion towards Jesus Christ? Can you imagine if we had that same devotion towards worshiping in his church? Can you imagine if we had that same devotion, if that, that same passion of, 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 of a prayer life? 
of a uh, of what you know what whatever it is of showing up because I you know my prayer I'd love my prayer is this year we man every every service is packed out just like Christmas we had more people at Christmas than we've ever had before and that's not counting almost a thousand people watching online can you imagine I mean if we had that same thing of going I don't care what's happening I don't care who's preaching I don't care whether it's snowing I don't care anything I don't care if I've had a rough night the night before if it were I'm going to make it to church because there's something about saying God I I love you and I'm going to serve you in in that and can you imagine if this here's what God wants don't miss this God does not want us to to live ish right God wants us to live passionately God doesn't want us to love ish God wants us to love passionately God doesn't want us to just go about things with with pursuing God ish God wants us to pursue God with with passion that our action backs up what we what we believe and the final word in this word I'm telling you um, I know exactly where I was when I heard this word and it burned in my heart so much because I really believe this is so much of a word for 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 today for us and that's the word victory I love this word because we serve a God who has not ever lost a battle who has not ever been defeated and will not ever be defeated in fact he cannot be defeated so here's the thing I absolutely refuse to believe that if that's the God we serve that he does not want his children to live in victory he does not want his children to, to live to live defeated lives he wants his children to live victorious lives and the Bible says this it says thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ and I want you to know that is in the present tense you know what that means that means God's not talking about just a victory when we die and we go to heaven of course we're gonna have victory there what God's talking about is right now God wants us to experience victory he wants you to experience victory in your health he wants you to experience victory in your finances he wants to be, you to experience victory in your relationships in every area of your life in fact he said he says this he says above all above all I wish that you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers you know what that's saying that's saying God wants he does not want us to live defeated lives he wants us to live lives of victory that doesn't mean we're not gonna have problems that in fact you can't have a victory without a problem right you can't have a a, a victory without a, a, a battle but God's going to see us through the other side. And there's going to be people here that are experiencing victories in areas you've never experienced victory. That you're going to experience victory over, the addi- over addictions that you never thought you'd have. That you're going to experience victory over temptations that have owned you for, up, to, up to this point. You're going to experience victory in your, in your relationships that before it's been tough. There's been barriers there. There's been everything there. And you're going to fear, experience victory in there. And I, I mean, again, I believe this is a word that God is saying for us to, today. Um, and it's really, really important that we know where our victory comes from. Here's what David says. Um, David, who knew a whole lot about victory, he said this. Some, some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but I trust in the name of the Lord my God. Psalm 60 said this. With God, we will gain the victory and he will trample down our enemies. How many of you know people are not our enemies? But man, there are forces out there that are trying to whoop you and trying to get you down and trying to take hope from you. And God's saying he will give us the victories and trample down our enemies. The other thing is you give me the shield of victory and your right hand sustains me. You stoop, listen to this. God, you stoop down to make me great. Isn't that incredible? And likewise, Solomon, his son, he declared this. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory rests with the Lord. We don't put our hope in our resources. We don't put hope in, uh, in, in, anything, in anything like that. 
But here's the thing, too, is that we can't miss. In order to be victorious, we have to have a prayer life, y'all. Because here's the thing. If we just go out and if we face our battles in our strength, good luck. If we face things in, in, with our resources, with our ingenuity and all that, good luck. Because all you're bringing to the table is you. And you know and I know that our resources are very limited. Our wisdom is limited. Our whatever is really limited. But man, when we pray, it's not us battling. It's God battling. When we, it's, it's, it's not us working, it's, it's him working. And, and what he brings to the table is his, his omnipotence, his all power, his all everything, and the one who can never be defeated. That's what happens. So I pray that this house becomes a house of prayer like never before. I pray that this is a house of prayer. You know, we have on Wednesday nights, we have the watch in the, in the, uh, in the prayer room for people, for you loving just something percolating in your heart, say, you know what, I want to pray more than I'm praying right now, and you can pray together. There's going to be people, that, uh, there's people here on, on Saturday night, we were there and we had, a, we had a time last night, an incredible time, where people come and you can pray for the church, you can pray for yourself, people will pray for you, whatever it is, on Saturday night, starting about 7 o'clock, but in your prayer, in your own quiet time, that this uh, that takes it to another level in prayer. And here's the thing, too. It says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, I know there are some people right now who are hearing my voice, and you're thinking, man, just the thought of surviving whatever you're going through, is, is that, that'd, be, that'd be absolutely wonderful, just making it through whatever season of life you're making it through right now. But God not only said you're a conqueror. He said, he said you know, you're not just supposed to survive this. He said, you're going to be a conqueror on the other side. But he said, he said, you're going to be more than a conqueror. And I'm thinking, what in the world is more than a conqueror? I mean, how can you be more than a conqueror? And that's somebody who, who plunders the opposition who had come against them. You know, there's a, a time in the Bible where several, several armies came against God's people. And they were on paper, they were going to die. I mean, just surviving would have been absolutely incredible. But not only they survived, they were victorious. And not only that, but it took them three days to haul away all the plunder of the people that came to destroy them. And here's what I believe God's going to have is there's going to be things that have come against you and have, have as a mission to try to kill, steal, and destroy from you. And instead, not only are you going to make it, not only are you going to be victorious, but you're going to plunder and the very things that tried to steal from you, the very Satan that tried to take from you, you're going to plunder from him. Amen? And, and, and here's the thing, too, is... Um, you know, after a, after a victory, I remember going with a friend to a, to a ball game the, uh, a couple of years ago, and this was from a, and we were playing our arch rivals, and we, we won the game, and we were going there actually with a, with a young uh, student who was a, an exchange student from Italy, and he's so excited and everything, and he goes, can I, everybody's running on the court, and they said, can, can I run on the court? And we said, yeah, absolutely, go for it. And then we look at each other going, let's run on the court, right? So we're down there and we're jumping around like, whoop, everybody's, you know, whooping and hollering and there's shouts of victory, right? There are shouts of victory, which you know what I'm talking about. Every sports fan, you know when your team wins and whoo, you know, you get this. And there's, and the Bible says this, there are going to be shouts of victory. Shouts of victory come from the praise of, from the, from the tents of the righteous. And you know what I want to, even this year, we've already started this, where man, when something good happens, when God's brought something, and a victory in an area, it's literally shouting, going, woo, you know, because, and I want to hear that in our church, for when we hear testimonies, that we just go, we hear a, a shout of, a, of victory, because that's what God wants to do, and I pray all throughout our congregation this year, we're going to hear shouts of victory, people, as you take that time, as we take that time, just go, God, thank you for what you're doing, we just say, and I want to, I really feel I'm supposed to say this too. There's sometimes you shout victory ahead of time. You know what I mean? Because, because of this. I remember one time that uh, I was going through the darkest time of my life. And I may have shared this before. Absolutely the darkest time of my life. 
and I was at a conference and everybody was getting blessed and everything and people were coming up to the altar man they were literally dancing at the altar just just there was breakthrough for so many people and I man I didn't feel breakthrough I felt broken okay and I remember going up there and I just started I started to dance and I knew in my heart, and I said this to God, God, I'm not dancing because I'm feeling great right now. I'm dancing I'll be in faith because I know someday I'm going to be dancing again. And I believe you that someday I believe you're good, and I believe you got good things for me. And sometimes you just need, sometimes we just need to dance before you feel like dancing. Sometimes it's a sacrifice of praise, amen? And sometimes we just say, you know, sometimes maybe we just need to give a shout before the victory ever happens, knowing there's going to be a, a victory, amen? Woo, yeah, right there, there you go. <laughs> and here's what I want to say. This is your year, okay? There was somebody that I said that to, and I really believe there was, there was a person that I said, this is your year. And, and, and this person knew what I meant because there was, there was something inside of them going, you know what, all I've done is I've been on the sideline for years. I've never, I've never actually got involved. And she, this, she said, this is, this is my year. But I realize that's not just for that person. This is for every single person here. And that may be going from a con- just a consumer to a contributor. But it may be going from, from just saying, this is my year for victory. This is my year for, for, loving, for loving passionately. This is my year for, for seeing things break through that there's never been a breakthrough. Seeing things increase in my life and everything, everything good. This is your year. You know what? I believe this is our year at Crossroads. This year where God is going to take us deeper. This is a year that God is going to do some more amazing things. I believe for greater miracles than we've ever seen. We are seeing miracles and we're seeing healings all the time. I believe there's going to be more. I believe there's going to be more provision. I believe whatever, whatever it is that you need. And I believe that this is going to be a year of hope. Amen.